This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Uh, Don't mind us, we were just dancing. (laughs) Brian's over here twerking in the studio. (laughs) And the reason we can do that is because we got uh, standing desks and now we are coming to you from a more energized uh, perspective. We are not sitting there wasting away our insulin resistance and gathering fat on our asses. We are actually doing the show standing up, so hopefully this will be a livelier one, and uh, the dancing probably helps with that. I imagine a lot of people are working out while they listen to it, so hey, we're all... uh... You know, we need to get in on some of that. It's just not fair that we don't get to work out while we do uh, our show. It's it's all a healthier lifestyle altogether. Exactly, exactly, to bring bring you Sex and Science Hour for years to come. That's right. Uh, (laughs) So we've got... an interesting show planned for you today. We are back in the studio after a round of travel, and this is actually going to be one of those weeks, again, where we are recording a couple of shows, because next yeah. week we're going to be at a couple of Bitcoin conferences as well. Yeah. So uh, we, Then we're taking a little break. Then we're taking a little break, yeah. There's going to be... From m- conferences, not the show. Mucho relaxation, and uh, <laughs> we'll actually be probably more able to keep up with the news that's happening and our listener emails, which we love. You can oh, email yes. us at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Keep them coming. We got a good number, goodly number of people who (laughs) email us. Yeah, even when they disagree, I love it. You know, and everybody's generally pretty kind about it. Me too. It makes for good uh, show content in between our twerking. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, we've had we've got a lot to talk about because we haven't actually recorded a show for a couple weeks. Yeah. So we got a lot of show prep amassed and. This is a story that I'd like to start out with, Brian. You actually found this and put it up on Facebook. And to my amazement, I looked at it and said, the future is here. Now you're going to be able to, if you are lucky enough to know a hacker and perhaps no one in a (laughs) more intimate way, uh, you are going to be able to program and customize a small device such as, oh, I don't know, a vibrator Mm -hmm. with um, Arduino, which is an open source uh, circuit board kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty much an open source, almost a controller box. I mean, it can do all kinds of things. Controller box? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's what you do with it, huh? That's right. So, and I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to confirm or deny that I'm some kind of hacker, but uh, I I see the the opportunity. That's the sign of a true hacker. They never say it. (laughs) But uh, uh, I I see this as, uh, boy, the sky's the limit as far as pleasure. I mean, once you're hooking up an Arduino to like a like a Hitachi magic wand, which already for years has had quite the hacker space around it. Uh, has it really? Yeah. Is I there mean, like, like a whole culture of yeah, hacking your Hitachi? Well, the Hitachi magic wand's been around for how long? Oh, gosh, 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those vibrators that is like a thinly veiled kind of sex toy you know like it yeah used they kind of don't tell you that it is but you know there's a there's a picture of a woman you know massaging her shoulder with it looking like she's having a very good time <laughs> in the sears catalogs from the 1970s right you know and and of course if you want to know about the history of the vibrator watch the movie hysteria that is a great oh, film about movie. you know how these there used to be this so-called disease called hysteria yeah not and not the, the only great Def Leppard film the this is actually about you know like the early 19th or early 20th century yeah when women like you know you couldn't talk about sex it was like a prudish culture and these women used to go to the doctors and say oh i have hysteria yeah. <laughs> then they would get a, a special massage and yeah they would have paroxysms of delight and uh, <laughs> then they'd be cured at least for a couple days yeah uh, <laughs> yeah for so, some, it'd be even sooner. But, but uh, the, their hands got tired, so they had to invent machines to help them out. And right. look how far we've come in yeah, the, and the Hitachi century magic wand intervening. Is, exactly. And, and the Hitachi magic wand is still kind of the Cadillac. And it's been around and built the same way for so long that... Well, uh, don't mess with success. It's no, popular right. for a reason, actually. I yeah. mean, 
most, you know, a lot of women say that this is just the best vibrator that's ever been made. Oh, yeah. It's very popular. And it has, like, if you go on Amazon, there's there's a lot of uh, accessories you can buy for it, like boxes that control the speed and all that. Because a lot, I've heard a lot of women say that that it it can be a little too harsh, like its speeds can be a little too much. Yeah. So this would allow you to control it. And this is why people would be interested in an Arduino connecting to a vibrator. Mm. That way you could get... You know, really, that that genuine customized feel. Can that you make sec, it great like, sex really requires? Yeah, can you make it like pulsate or like go with a story or go with a song or something? Perhaps you, yeah, actually, if if you hooked up the right stuff, you know, you added the right pieces, then uh, sure, you could uh, have it, you know, connected to or essentially just have it listen to the music playing. You know? <laughs> Maybe someone could write up a little script to like make it work with our theme song or something. Oh, that'd be interesting. I don't. I mean, I don't know how that meshes with it being maybe, like the Soviet march. Maybe you could yeah, pick a different song by roll no, music. but <laughs> Yeah, or maybe, you know, put on like Usher's uh, Scream and that'll, that'll You love that song. Good. You oh, are just so song. looking for a chance to plug your favorite song. You better believe it. Uh, but, you know, this is another reason to date a hacker. I, just I agree. Think it's I agree. Great. Yeah, I mean... It, and it's, Arduinos are really cool. I mean, they have so many other uses. Um, if you think about an open source uh, kind of circuit board, I've seen people make um, PCR machines that they yeah. can use at home with them for $300. Yep. Um, a, a guy I knew who worked in a biochemistry lab, and a PCR machine is a um, a machine that replicates pieces of DNA uh, that is used for genetic testing and all kinds of other uses in science and research. And I knew a guy who made one for his lab for like a hundred bucks using Arduino. And these machines would cost thousands of dollars if you just bought one from a company and it was uh, closed source. So that's cool. Yeah, OpenPCR is really popular now and Arduino is a big part of that. Yep, OpenPCR, that's what it's called. And then um, I knew another guy who was trying to basically build um, a greenhouse, a a farm Mm -hmm. where he could um, grow food really efficiently. So he had like aquaponics going on and he had like a server that was based on Arduino that was sensing um, the humidity and the nutrient concentrations. Yeah, in the it would soil. automate everything. It was yeah, yeah, and it was automating all the watering and and um, feeding of the plants. So yeah. there's just so many uses for it. And you know, write into our show and tell us what you use Arduino for, because I'm sure some of our listeners have really cool projects that Absolutely. they use this stuff for. Especially if you do happen to use it for a vibrator. I mean, I'm curious about thinking that, of yeah. automation. You can just lay back and enjoy. we're not trying to be creepy or anything. No, no, I mean, no. don't don't <laughs> say you know. <laughs> But if you want to share with us, we'd be open to uh, hearing what you do with we your We care Arduino. about your anonymity. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, and speaking of apps, um, there was this news story recently saying that there were some Google uh, apps or apps for Android that were in the Google Play Store that were like secretly mining Bitcoins. Now, I don't know why you would do this on, like, if you're trying to build a botnet, why do you target phones? Like, wouldn't someone notice that their phone is heating up in their pocket and running really slow? Yeah. (laughs) And probably not even mining many Bitcoins. I mean, this is kind of like a fail of an idea. Yeah, I I think it was doing all kinds of cryptocurrencies, not necessarily Bitcoin. Um, And it's really a fail because, I mean, even like there have been for, I dare say, years now, there's been official, not like a hidden app, but there's been official Litecoin miners you for, know, I tried. Android. I yeah. tried about a year ago to mine Litecoins on my phone. Right. And I even a year ago when the difficulty was much lower, I didn't get a thing. No, because <laughs> it's a phone. Of course yeah, not. It's impractical. I mean, even you know, phones are getting a lot more powerful. You know, Tegra four chips and Tegra five chips. You know, they have seventy two mm. cores and all this stuff. Uh, really, it, it, it's it's so minute to the amount that you get. And people could say, well, what about scale? If it's pool mining and you had millions of phones doing it, would you get something? Maybe. But did they even but have millions of phones? I mean, I, I can't imagine it. It'd have to be one of the most downloaded apps in the Play Store. It said the apps have been downloaded by uh, millions of users, but then they got um, removed. And it said there was one that was on like between 10 to 50,000 um, phones and tablets. Right. But even then, I mean, how many. Bitcoins yeah, I, I don't think this. That. No, I don't think this is practical at all, mm. and like almost a waste to do. I I would venture more that someone was just saying, "Hey, can I pull this off? And what would it look like?" And that's what they did. I, I just yeah. I, I can't really. There, there's no profit in this. So, so there's a commentator here in this article that I'm looking at from RT, and he's saying that the person was mining Doge coins with it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I can't picture it'd be like almost a waste to do Bitcoin. And then as soon as it says Dogecoin, I'm like, well, is RT even? If it wasn't RT, I wouldn't believe it. So. <laughs> 
Well, Brian, you know, we've talked about this enough on the show, so I'm not going to get back into it. But, you know, Doge is getting more popular. People often say this now, Bitcoin, Litecoin and Doge. And people are saying in the future is Bitcoin going to be the gold and Litecoin's the silver. And then Doge is like, you know, what you tip in and like, you know, kind of the... The companion uh, I animal. I thought you were going to say, is Doge going to be the silver? And I'd be like, oh. well, some people, maybe they say that too. I mean, <laughs> it is based on <laughs> Litecoin. But anyway, if your phone has been burning a hole through your pants pocket, you may want to check on your apps and see if there's any malware in there. Yeah, use something like Lookout. Right. And Lookout is an antivirus program. You know, we've been talking about technology and Bitcoin and science and sex. And what better way to address all those topics than on this show, right, Brian? It's Sex and Science Hour. We're on the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. We do talk quite a bit about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as well. Yeah, I like to think we're qualified. (laughs) Yes, trust us, we're doctors. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) At least you are. And uh, we got a listener email that I wanted to bring up on the show. This is actually, um, you know, a couple weeks ago at this point, but we, since we haven't been in the studio for a little while, um, I really wanted to make sure that we got to it. This listener alerted us that there was a a famous uh, Bitcoin evangelist, you might even call him Bitcoin Jesus, uh, that tweeted something about a Bitcoin meetup where there were burlesque dancers there. And he, you know, tweeted a picture of a woman that was holding up a big Bitcoin QR code. In Tokyo. In Tokyo. And she was wearing like, you know, a little garter and she's most, you know, like kind of mostly nude, but she had pasties on, I suppose. And this was at a Bitcoin meetup. And some people were kind of upset about this because, you know, they thought that's not very inclusive. That's kind of objectifying of women. If we want more Bitcoin uh, meetups to include women or if we want women to come to our Bitcoin meetups, why are we basically having um, dancers go to the meetups. Right. Is this like how women are supposed to be viewed at a Bitcoin meetup? And then some people said, well, you know, I'm I'm a woman and I'm I'm into Bitcoin and I'm not offended by this at all. In fact, I like looking at burlesque dancers. I would give her a tip and um, this wouldn't turn me away from going to a Bitcoin meetup and it's just beautiful and that's it. Um, and everybody should stop being so offended. There were, you know, I could see where people would be offended by this. I really can. Uh, I mean, and is it a situation where, oh, you need, you know, males dancing too, and you better take a picture of them? No. Yeah, let's objectify everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, you know, at all. Uh, but it's important to put this in context. And the person that tweeted this picture tried to, but didn't really explain himself very well, uh, in that this is Tokyo. This is Japan. And in Japan, this is not outlandish by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, it's, it's practically normal. Uh, this is a country, especially a city, where from the back of a menu, you can order a prostitute by hair color, you know, the whole thing. In fact. In fact, I have. So, <laughs> <laughs> multiple times. So, you know, th- this is something that, that is possible. My, my real issue with it is that it felt like it was sent. Like, the, the point of the picture was not, look at this beautiful woman Look at how, you know, Bitcoin has has moved society forward, Uh, because I think that's what a lot of people, especially the more libertarian bent people with Bitcoin is like, wow, Bitcoin's going to bring in that society uh, where, you know, people really like the the class system kind of maybe goes away or whatever. Um, And I I think inside of that, people are expecting, you know, better out of people. And I think this picture was sent off with the very purpose of objectification saying, woohoo, we're at the strip club boys, you know, and, and, and we took this shot. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with that. Okay. But Uh, isn't like, wasn't there some debate over whether this is like a professional meeting or it's just like a social thing? That was a problem too. It was like, was this a Bitcoin? Like what kind of Bitcoin meetup was this? Because there's a lot of meetups that happen all around the world where it's serious business. Yeah. Very professional. And I mean, money's changing hands. Companies are getting, yeah, jobs are being offered. Companies are being created. No, not that kind of jobs. Not that kind of (laughs) jobs. So, you know, that raises the question, what what exactly kind of Bitcoin meetup was this? I don't know that that was ever really discussed. If it was a professional setting, yeah, maybe this isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. But I don't feel that the whole attitude of it was a celebration of the beauty of a woman. I think the attitude of the tweet was a degree of objectification mm-hmm. and a lot of the the people that I meet, I mean, why aren't there more women in, in Bitcoin? 
uh, because I, f- I mean, when we went to San Jose for the, the, the Bitcoin conference in San oh, Jose, yeah, they had booth babes, they had booth babes and all this stuff. And it's yeah. like, come on, you know, uh, this is it. We're, we're it the new generation. Let's move forward. It definitely sent the message that this is for the guys, you know, and, yeah, and uh, like, please, I don't usual. mind looking at beautiful women. I oh, actually I don't. enjoy yeah. it quite a bit, but, yeah. um, it was sort of a professional environment and I didn't feel like super comfortable with it. I mean, I didn't let it ruin my life or like ruin my fun at the conference no, or let right, me stop, right. stop me from going to other conferences, right. but it wasn't like my ideal idea of yeah, a perfectly I mean, and, wonderful and f- place, you know? <laughs> exactly. And statistically now it's, it's pretty much proven that booth babes actually harm business. They don't mm. increase business. Wow. And so even this, again, this isn't forward thinking. Yeah. You know, this felt well, like... Well, do you want someone to come to your booth because you they actually want to know about your product or because there's a woman there? You know, like right. maybe they're more interested in her than the product. Like maybe they, she would actually take away from it. But, right. But I mean, g- getting back onto the issue, the larger issue, I guess, of like women and Bitcoin, you know, and I say this as a woman who's been interested in Bitcoin, but I'm not speaking for all women, of course. I'm just one woman. And... The point is that all women are individuals. You know, you're talking about 3.5 billion people here worldwide. Sure. Or maybe a little bit more, right? Um, And the fact is they're individuals and they have their own thoughts and opinions and ideas. And some women are going to see a burlesque dancer at a Bitcoin meetup and they're going to say, I am not comfortable going there. Get me out of here. And I'm not going to use Bitcoin because they're all a bunch of sexists. And some women are going to say, I want to go to that meetup. Let me bring some millibits on my phone so I can give her a tip, you know, and then there's going to be all kinds of stuff in between. So if you are the Bitcoin meetup organizer and you're thinking, well, should we have this at a bowling alley or a strip club? Uh, (laughs) And actually in the town that we live in, there's one uh, that has a bowling alley and a strip club combined. So you could have the best of both. Right. Uh, But if you're thinking about where to, you know, how to structure your Bitcoin meetup, just be aware that there are going to be some people, maybe women, maybe men, uh, who don't like the environment where people are being um, on display or perhaps they would consider it being objectified and they're not going to come. They're going to be turned off by that. And if you care about having those people attend your Bitcoin meetup, maybe you want to reconsider and make it an environment that's a little more inclusive to them. And if you don't care, then you don't care. Right. And I mean, it is, we're not talking about a situation where every Bitcoin meetup out there is, like this. You know what I mean? There are Bitcoin meetups out there that are very professional and inclusive, I think. And you can find them. I mean, it might not be in your city, unfortunately, uh, especially if you live in a smaller town, but you can always um, start one, you know, and then you have control over how it goes, right? Yeah. I mean, and and it's a great point about the individuality because, you know, I've heard women who, you know, there will be like a woman in Bitcoin Mm -hmm. meetups specifically for women. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's a fine idea. And then there are women who don't like those because they're like, I don't want to talk about nail polish. And no, right. Because they'll actually bill the women in Bitcoin meetup as this is while the husbands are, you know, we'll right. let them go do their meetup and we'll have ours over here. Yeah, and also, some women like, get it's turned a gathering off by of that. the girlfriends and it's like, wait right. a minute. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I know as much about Bitcoin as one of the guys. I don't have to have a night where I'm doing something because they're off over there, you know, talking about whatever. Right. So yeah, it, it's, it, it's just important to keep in mind. Everybody's an individual and yeah. we need to respect that. That's the bottom line. Yeah. We, we are all individuals and, you know, we all probably have our own idea of what would be a good time for us and how we want to interact with um, certain sure. facets of the Bitcoin community. And hopefully it just keeps growing enough so that everybody has a niche that they can fit in with and that they can feel comfortable in. Yeah. Really. I mean, th- that said, I, I, I don't like the attitude that I feel this tweet was sent out with. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I do yeah. think that that's an issue, but, uh, but by and large, I mean, it's, it's an interesting perspective. It's yeah. interesting, you know, this is in every community and every, you know, kind of group, this mm. kind of thing occurs and, and maybe we can think ahead. Personally, I don't think I would want to go to a Bitcoin meetup that was at a strip club or that had, um, dancers at it. Right. I just, I view it as more of a professional thing. And to me, that's not really appropriate for that context. I might go to a strip club with my friends or some some other kind of context, right. but not really a Bitcoin meetup. That's not what I would want to do. But I also want to say that I am not going to let this tweet stop me from being part of the Bitcoin community. Right. On. Like, I'm not going to exclude myself from the Bitcoin community because there might be some people in it whose ideas differ from mine about what's appropriate for a a Bitcoin meetup, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I mean, it's really a call, you know, if if a woman is offended by this, 
that just means we need more of you, you know, so that yeah, you can... Yeah, there's an opportunity to create yeah. your own space that would be more welcoming to people who share your views about what you would like to get out of Bitcoin meetups. Absolutely. You know, so um, take the initiative, you know, start your own, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. And um, it's not it's not a cop-out, you know, it's just that's what free association is about. You know, it's not about trying to censor people from um, having Bitcoin meetups at strip clubs or whatever. Right. It's about, you know, creating a large, diverse space where anybody can find a spot where they uh, fit in and feel comfortable and are are valued, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't ever want to censor anybody, but at the same time, not censoring means that I get to share my feelings on the matter. Sure. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. You shouldn't be censored from speaking out against it either right. if you don't like it. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a free market thing. And I think... Um, as time goes on, um, that problem will take care of itself because there, there are going to be more people participating. Yes, it will, as long as they're aware. Okay, this is Sex and Science Hour, and there's more coming up. Stay tuned. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we are so excited. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com. Okay, I gotta know. Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it. How did I not know about this? You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we love EasyDNS. They let you register domains, handle security for your website, email addresses, pretty much anything related to DNS or domain names, they can do it. They have a friendly staff of actual human beings, so if you need customer support, they will always be there for you. Plus, they are outspoken advocates for your internet freedom. And they take Bitcoin, of course. They now have fully managed WordPress and web hosting too, so you can do everything you need related to your website from EasyDNS. Take a look at their website at EasyDNS.com. We think you'll like what you see. Trust EasyDNS.com for your DNS and web hosting needs. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. Uh, we are, of course, on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we're so happy to be there. You can subscribe to our show by subscribing to the greater Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast feed. And I hear there's going to be a hard fork at some point where they're going to split oh, off. Oh, no. It's going to be, it's gonna <laughs> it's be gonna an be old end. podcast. Yeah. It's an old cast. Oh, shit. We're an old cast. Uh, oh, I'll have to bleep that out. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can subscribe to our show by getting the whole catching the whole Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast feed. And there's a lot of other good stuff on there. Yeah, we there's got, great shows. There's no reason not to be a part of it. Mm, original shows and Let's Talk Bitcoin, the flagship podcast, of course. So uh, all there for you at letstalkbitcoin.com. And of course, you can send us listener emails, feedback, comments, questions, relationship issues at show at sexandsciencehour.com. That does go both to me and Brian. Yes. And Brian... We talked about a lot of sex in the first segment, and it was a little longer than normal. So um, now we're going to talk about something not remotely nearly as exciting, but I still think it's kind of interesting. Um, light bulbs. <laughs> light bulbs? Yeah, there's oh, some light bulb drama. Okay. I know, you are really actually interested in light bulbs, right? Didn't you have kind of a family thing where your dad was my, in the my light bulb business? My dad is a real stickler about light bulbs, yeah. Yeah. To put it simply, about light in general. <laughs> well, with good reason, because light really affects your environment. You know, it, it, it does affect your brain, you know, through your eyes, you're kind of linked to the outside world and things like looking at blue light before you go to bed can keep you up. It can mess with your sleep rhythms. Looking at um, daylight while you're outside can help you feel more awake. And uh, there's all yeah, kinds of stuff like th there's that. There's quite a few different things. And the problem is a lot of our modern light bulbs are... They're not are, in line with... No, they're the antithetical to... Way how, our brains work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, CFLs, which are complex, compact fluorescent bulbs, yeah. uh, lights, they, you know, they're, they're fluorescents. Yeah, and for they some constantly people, they flicker. They can cause, cause headaches. headaches, yeah, uh, seizures. I mean, a whole slew of problems. So, But I heard that, yeah, uh, Philips has... You know, I think what a lot of these new design light bulbs, their main problem with adoption, mm -hmm. I think what a, most people unconsciously don't like them because I think they unconsciously recognize they don't feel good 
or yeah. it's keeping them awake or something like that. Well, I wonder if some people don't like them because they're mandated, you know, because well, that too in the U.S., the government has what have did they, they ban incandescent yeah, light they've bulbs? Effectively banned incandescent light bulbs from right. coming into this country. Pretty yeah, much. they're being kind of phased out. <laughs> right. They're still on the shelves. You can still kind of get them, but they're yeah. like contraband. And then people look at you like. You're hurting the environment, yeah. you know, yeah. an evil person right. mining <laughs> bitcoins and using those incandescent bulbs. We're going to throw you in the slammer. Yeah, we, we need to talk about that. But um, We will. We will. Yeah. <laughs> but there's these companies like Philips and Sylvania, whoever else, uh, they think in their mind that the problem is, is how, that they these new light bulbs look funny. Even the LED bulbs look funny. You know, which they're kind of the new hot thing. They do look funny. Well, they do, yeah, and and they're actually <laughs> like they're they're you know they're potentially dangerous. I've heard some reports that like the dangers of a broken CFL bulb are have been exaggerated. I'm not entirely sure on that myself. Well, at least but, when you break an incandescent bulb, it doesn't release any gases no, into the air. Yeah, it's it's harmless. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these companies think that the problem is is that they look funny, and that's why people aren't buying them or aren't adopting them. And so now I guess Philips is coming out with an LED bulb that looks. Like right down to the filaments, yeah, looks like an incandescent bulb, mm-hmm. and you know I have, I have a problem with this because it doesn't actually solve the problem. And I think Phillips, the market's going to speak, and Phillips is going to realize that that's not the problem at all. You not know, to mention that they're like ten times, you know, they're they're twelve dollars. Which well, but what people will say is that well, it's worth it because they last for well, like ten or twenty years. Only if you keep using it for 10 or 20 years right right but i mean that's that's kind of a lie because there's an incandescent bulb that's been on for over 110 years now uh in in california literally one bulb (laughs) yeah well i mean they've left it on they've made sure you know like because it's it's famous for Mm. it now so but my point is is that incandescent bulbs when made properly can last or with using lower power consumption can last a long time too Mm. has that one like not been turned on and off because i hear that the more cycles it goes through of turning on and off that can damage the filament yeah i mean that's true it's same thing with the car engine it's like the turning Mm. on and off that actually damages it otherwise they run forever but Uh, well, that's a long. That's another story. But the with with that light bulb, the thing is, is it's been very low power running mm-hmm. to it, and it's only been directly stayed on since like the seventies. Uh, before then, there were power outages. You know, now it has a generator hooked up to it to make sure it stays on because it's kind of a national <laughs> monument almost. Right. But the, it's going to be like the redwood tree that's been around for right. three thousand years. <laughs> right. But but I mean, the fact is. It, it is still on. Incandescents can pull this trick off, mm-hmm. you know, as to where these LEDs and CFLs, yeah, they can last five years, 20 years, but it's not necessary. And this isn't crazy science. The Japanese actually knew this for a while. A lot of people don't know, but the Game Boys, the reason why Game Boys were never natively backlit or even frontlit and that they find Nintendo finally caved when they frontlit Game Boys is because they knew that kids would not be able to fall asleep at night. And even adults, oh. because of because of the blue, you know, light uh, coming into your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and so this isn't. A lot of people think this is woo-woo science, and no, there, there's other, you know, there's whole fields of study that have known this for a long, long, long time that this yeah. is an issue. Um, and, wow. Well, but what about like this light bulb is supposed to have a color temperature that's more um, mimics a incandescent bulb. It's like a warm white light. Yeah. It's, but it's not exactly the same, as I, it? I don't think there's any way you can get an LED to, to do that, um, right. you know, to pull off. Because what the idea is, is that that color blue is incandescent, generally is overpowered by red. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, the, the red coloring is essentially, you know, that's supposed to, that kind of simulates. That's not to say that this was the idea when the light bulb got invented. Okay. But that... Kind of like a I, candle or yeah, a fire. It ironically simulates a candle yeah. and, and it simulates, you know, a sunset mm-hmm. being red, reddish. And so I don't think an LED can pull off that trick, you know? And in fact, I mean, even sunlight, what, what, are, they, what do they call them? Uh, the, the sunlight bulbs that are oh, supposed grow to- bulbs? Like grow bulbs? Yeah, that are supposed to simulate, Like you know, for fish and aquariums and stuff and plants? Yeah, and, and for like even for photography and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, they, they emulate- the pers- you know the uh, the spectrum to some degree yeah but, but it's not also, really exactly no, like daylight yeah. but they're still forcing that blue on you mm. that's not supposed to be there so are we just luddites like should we just go back to lighting candles and just say <laughs> screw it no i mean incandescents work great uh you know <laughs> <laughs> i think the thing is you can't force technologies on people by law you know, it just doesn't work. No, right, right. I mean, and, and that's that's it. These companies, they need to make money. And and speaking of um, the motivations for, 
You know, part of it is money, Brian, I think, but part of it is this sort of misguided environmentalism that is more a political game than anything else. There's a lot of that. And I wanted to talk about something else on the show. Have you heard of Carbon Coin? Briefly. Yeah. Like, I heard about its first incarnation, and then I hear its second one is even crazier. So, before people jump down our throats, like, I really, I have to be honest and say that I have not really tried to go down the rabbit hole of looking into climate change and trying to see what I think about it and sort out the fact from fiction. Um, basically, the conclusion that I've come to is that it's really, it's going to be really difficult to know the truth. Like, it seems, it seems like, yeah, probably the climate is changing as it has been throughout the history of Earth. Mm-hmm. Are humans doing it? I'm not sure. Right. And should should humans be forced to scrimp and save on their um, electricity usage and farts and so forth uh, <laughs> to save the planet? That's where I think it gets a little dubious because there are lots of people who want to use uh, that kind of data to to control you, really. Yeah. And so I'm afraid of that. And of course, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's true. But is force the solution? I'm going to say no. Pretty much every time that question is asked. Sure. I'm a huge fan of green technology uh, for many, many reasons. It's Mm -hmm. more efficient. Uh, There's nothing wrong with being power efficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, also, you don't want a company dumping, you know, garbage into rivers, which does occur. Yeah. Now, I mean, like you said, laying out a law and using force against them isn't really the the answer to that. Well, it's important to remember the U.S. military is the biggest polluter out there. Yeah. And they do that all under the color of law. You know, that's that's totally sanctioned. And even companies like BP during that oil spill, they have immunity from the government. They have protection from the government. Right. You know, it's interesting because it's, it's something that gets put up against Bitcoin a lot in that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, you know, using so much energy. Uh, it's wasting, you know, who knows what what part of the environment it's killing because of that, uh, which that's crap. Because when you think about the fact that we use cotton money and paper money. Yeah, I and mean, ink uh, and bleach and all these chemicals yeah, to print yeah, receipts and money. Yeah. Right, right. The, the, the modern economy is far more detrimental than a bunch of computers ever could be. Totally. Uh, in my opinion. So... You know, and there's answers to that. I mean, the the cryptocurrency community is already coming up with answers to that, like NXT. Proof uh, of stake. uses proof of stake. Yeah, it, it's it not is. just Next. It's other currency, cryptocurrencies, too. But yeah. Um, yeah, supposedly that could be um, greener. But, you know, when you look at the savings of the Bitcoin network, even if it, yes, it does use power, mm-hmm. it does consume power. However, it consumes so much less power and it's such a more efficient way of doing things than the current legacy financial system. Absolutely. Um, that it's just no comparison and yeah. nobody ever talks about that. But, you know, just generally with so-called green technologies, my opinion of that is that, you know, if if it makes sense, if it saves people money, if it saves people effort and time, then it totally makes sense to go green. Right. You know, if it if it is actually more efficient. Right. But with certain things, if it requires you to sacrifice, to suffer, to give up, uh, you know, to have this self-sacrificial kind of mindset, A, people aren't going to do it. Right. Except maybe a very small select pe- group of people who f- basically feels guilty about it and is guilted into it. Right. And B... It doesn't work like the reality is telling you that it doesn't make sense to do this if you're having to suffer and save and scrimp um, in order to get that green feeling. Kind of like recycling paper, you know, like the the trucks to take it to the recycling plants and the bleaches that are required are terrible for the environment. And right. it is not a net savings in terms of pollution or dollars, you know, and that's just one of those things that like doesn't really make a lot of sense yeah or what it takes to you know to create the batteries that uh, hybrid cars run on oh yeah far that more destroying to the environment i mean if you but really get oh the town we live in you see people driving around oh, with yeah. snarky license plates that say 60 mpg and yeah yeah like yeah <laughs> i mean if you really wanted to save the environment you know drive old cars until they die and you know <laughs> yeah don't buy a new car <laughs> don't right? buy a new car because you're <laughs> don't just buy per- that prius <laughs> yeah you're perpetuating the system right. by doing that Yeah, well, I mean, we could rant about this for a while, but it it seems like there's just a lot of emotional 
um, language in this kind of debate and not sure. like not a lot of clarity about not a lot of common sense about do things actually make sense on a yeah. really big level to do. Um, but anyway, with this carbon coin thing, we got to talk about this. So there's a new altcoin that um, it's called carbon coin. And it seems like to me, like an attempt to blockchain eyes carbon, the idea of carbon credits, which are basically there have been governments that in certain cities have issued um, a certain number of carbon credits and they give them out to companies and stuff. And each one has so many and it's like they have permission to release some amount of carbon into the atmosphere. And if they release more then they either have to buy carbon credits from some other company or they have to like pay a fee to the government or something like that. And people, you know, there are some people who claim, Oh yeah, it's a free market. No, it's not. It's cre- it's an artificial thing imposed by the government that is not a free market. No, and, and just it, because you can trade the credits with each other, there would be no credits if it weren't for the government right. imposing them. <laughs> um, so, but with Carbon Coin, like, yeah, I suppose it is a voluntary thing. Um, they are collecting some kind of donations to like plant trees, but with Carbon Coin it's still mined. They have a script mining algorithm. It's not proof of stake, (laughs) as I (laughs) understand it. So they're using up all that energy that they're complaining about that they're trying to uh, work against. But they're using it to plant trees. So it makes sense. (laughs) It offsets it. I mean, that's just, it's so weird. And there's, (laughs) there's like uh, this story where like the founder of carbon coin, like, um, you know, started programming it. And then like, basically they did a pre-mine of about 1% of the coins or something like that to like so-called incentivize people to work on projects with carbon coin. And then basically he found out that there was some kind of possible 51% attack, dumped all the pre-mine coins and took off. Wow. And so then somebody picked up the project or something like that. But I mean, it, that is a red flag for oh, an yeah. altcoin, you know? Yeah, and just the idea itself. Like I said, it's a tax. This is one of the things that people like about cryptocurrencies yeah. is they're not taxed. It sounds like somebody you know? is just trying to cr- create money or to get money off of the goodwill of people who believe that it's bad to pollute and they feel guilty for emitting carbon dioxide and right. breathing and stuff right. and I driving mean, a car and turning on the lights. Yeah. If you're really concerned about how much, you know, how much the Bitcoin, uh, you know, network, uh, you know, affects the environment or whatever, then, then jump, jump to pure coin or NXT or do, I mean, there's already, there's solutions out there. Become there's an no anti-war need. activist. Yeah, they, I mean, the, yeah. as we said, the military is the biggest pollute. Yeah. They pollute more than you could ever control your own carbon output in yeah. your own lifetime. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Got to look at the, at the bigger, bigger picture. Yeah. I've heard statistics that like, even just, uh, you know, like, the, the tankers, um, you know, gas tankers that go around, if you turned off and there's tons of those, if you turned off five of them, it would equate the amount of emissions that almost every car on the planet puts out there. Wow. Okay. So there's other solutions. Just nobody wants to actually talk about those because those actually hurt big business when the really, you know, a lot of this legislation, <laughs> a lot of this taxation, which is all this carbon yeah. coin really is, yeah. is just meant to hurt you. It's not meant to hurt the big boys. Yeah, that's always how it works. Yeah. So, you know, look at this stuff with a, a skeptical eye. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of heat for this, but I will be going outside and planting a tree as soon as the show is <laughs> over just to let everybody know. And I'm not going to do it with carbon coins. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I dig, like I said, I dig environmentalism. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just do not dig taxation and force. And they're really, they're one and the same. Yeah, exactly. So, or scammy pre-mining. And yeah, <laughs> that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, uh well, I'm sure we'll get some emails from that, but yeah. uh, bring them on. That's fine. Like Please. George Bush said, bring it on. Uh, <laughs> okay. Terrible got a quote. <laughs> Brian, uh, we've got to take a break, but we'll be right back there with There's More Sex and Science Hour coming up. Stay tuned. We are going to talk about... What are we going to talk about next? Oh, as if we haven't pissed off the environmentalists enough, we're going to talk about why vegetarians are unhealthy. We're on a rail. Coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Stay tuned. Sex and Science Hour is looking for sponsors. We do our best to do an entertaining show that is heard by thousands of people each week. Do you have a project, business, product, or service that could match our audience's interests? Let us know. Contact Brian at letstalkbitcoin.com to find out more. That's Brian with an I at letstalkbitcoin.com. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we really appreciate your support. We've received tips from listeners, not just in Bitcoin, but with other altcoins. 
Those are always listed in our show notes in case you want to send us a tip, which we thank you for very, very much. If you don't have bitcoins, altcoins, or you just want to send us a tip in a way that's free to you, all you have to do is click on something, then you can help us out. Simply do your normal shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate links. Those are listed in our show notes, and we've got Amazon US, UK, and Canada for you. Thank you so much for all your support. And now back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with me, Stephanie, and you, Brian. Of course. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. No, you're Jane. I'm Jane? I'm Tarzan. I I don't know. I'm looking. (laughs) You look like Jane to me. (laughs) All right. Well, Brian, you know, if you're Tarzan, you probably wouldn't be a vegetarian, right? You'd be like a hunter-gatherer, paleo type, huh? Absolutely. There's been a new study that came out. That's going to be pretty controversial, but I thought it was really uh, interesting. And this is actually something that paleo people have been saying for a while. Um, this is probably going to ignite the paleo versus veggie wars. The paleolithic diet versus yeah, the vegetarians. The paleolithic yeah. diet, which is, you know, a diet that's probably richer in animal animals and... Um, uh, yeah, high fat, no gluten. Right, no, um, no grains, lots of protein, vegetables and fruits, probably, but stuff you could find out gathering and hunting in the wilderness. Theoretically, I mean, like, or that matches up with it. Of course, you're not going to find like a, you know, a pteranodon outside to. <laughs> well, unless you look hard enough, then yeah, right. you could. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, a lot of I agree. A lot of people who eat a paleo diet aren't going out and like hunting their own squirrels per se. Right, um, they are just uh, buying grass-fed cow at the grocery store and. Things like that. Right. They're just trying to get the nutrients that evolution mm. may possibly consider best. Right. Um, but they, you know, and the the whole idea is that um, for most of humans' evolutionary history, we ate a hunter-gatherer diet, which didn't include grains. And so we're adapted genetically for that. And the window of time, like the last 11,000 years or so, that we've been eating um, an agricultural, like a diet that's more adapted to agricultural um, farming, right? Uh, we're not really. Um, we haven't evolved for that yet. Our right. genes haven't caught up to our diet, right? But now a lot of vegetarians would say theirs is actually the original diet. But uh, the question becomes: Is okay, which one by the numbers shows as being healthier? And the yeah. study you're talking about with vegetarians, I mean, what's the story? Well, yeah, and I guess we have to preface this by saying, like, there could be just like you know the so-called paleo diet could be a huge variety of different foods. Yes. There is a lot of variety in what vegetarians eat. Absolutely. Um, Like, I mean, I remember some vegetarians that I knew in college and all they ate was like pizza and grilled cheese. So like there's the pizza and grilled cheese vegetarians. And then there's the vegetarians who actually eat like vegetables and, you know, perhaps they eat like grains and maybe they're into whole grains and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and real quick, this is an interesting point in that like a lot of vegetarians I support when a lot of people choose a different diet. A lot of times it's just them becoming more mindful about what they're putting in their bodies. Yeah. And that alone. So, of course, they feel better. (laughs) Yeah. So naturally they feel better. And I support that for anybody. Yeah. Vegetarian, paleolithic or what. Right. Quite frankly, I just want to make that clear. Yeah, um, us too. And like full disclosure, Brian, you and I are paleo cave people. Yes. Right. We, <laughs> we're we not going out and hunting, hunting our own squirrels, no. but we do eat um, a diet that I, I feel works best for me. I've tried a lot of different diets and I think that this, you know, the, the kind of low carb, higher fat type diet works better for me. And we do, of course, eat a lot of veggies and stuff like that. I I feel the same way. I was a vegetarian slash vegan uh, for quite a few years. And you were quite a bit heavier then too, right? No, actually I was, that was the problem is I was incredibly light. Oh, you got skinny. That's why I'm intrigued by this study, but the thing, I didn't have any muscle mass and like I looked lanky. Like it it was healthy to the antithesis. You know, that's what I notice about vegetarians. Like often they're, they're very thin with not much muscle mass or Mm -hmm. they, or they're overweight. Right. You know, and, you know, sometimes people who eat like low carb or whatever too can be overweight. That's sure. sure. Um, And there's a lot of variation in that, but it seems like vegetarians to me kind of stratify into two different groups like that. There are some vegan bodybuilders. I don't know how they pull it off. Maybe it's just genetics. I mean, but like a paleo diet could be vegan. Yes. Or could be vegetarian. Yep, there are some famous blogs out there where it's a vegetarian or vegan yes. paleolithic uh, dieter. 
So there could be some intersection between the two. I, I don't know. It's really interesting. Like humans are genetically diverse and probably within some range, um, some of us are better adapted to eating certain things versus others. Sure. You know what I mean? Like some people probably do better with fewer carbs. Some people do better with higher carbs, less fat, you know. We're all different, yeah. but we're different within a range. Like, I don't think anybody could say like, yeah, it's just the ideal diet for me is marshmallows for every meal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, it's an area where it's hard to sort out the truth from the fiction. Mm -hmm. But here's what a study said. Um, so this is done in Austria, and they looked at um, people who eat different kinds of diets. And actually... Interestingly, they looked at not only people who ate like a vegetarian diet, but like carnivorous diets, which were rich in fruits and vegetables. Then there was another group of carnivorous diets that were richer in meat. So like within the carnivores, they stratified them into different groups. And what they found, they didn't separate the um, grilled cheese and pasta vegetarians from the, <laughs> from the vegetable vegetarians. But uh, what they found was that the vegetarians in the study um, were more physically active and they drank less alcohol and smoked less tobacco. So they had like behaviors that are kind of associated with better health. Sure. However, oh, they also had a higher socioeconomic status and a lower body mass index. So they may have been thinner and richer and well, better educated, but um, they had a higher risk of cancer, allergies and mental health problems. Wow. These vegetarians who didn't smoke, didn't drink. They're like, you know, these teetotaling good people behaviors. Right. But um, they have a 50% uh, greater risk of heart attacks, a 50% increase in incidences of cancer, and we're twice as likely to have allergies. That's amazing. Can and you, you got to wonder, like, what's, you know, with, with modern medical science, you know, what, what would be the causation? And if you don't have drinking and, and tobacco, uh, where else do you look? Gluten? You know, other than diet, maybe gluten. Uh, which, I, <laughs> I mean, mean yeah, I, I, I don't know. People have been saying it on the internet a lot recently. And yeah, I there's think, a big push for gluten-free, yeah. uh, you know, recently in that, that people are realizing gluten's like a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, so, at least at least for... For some. I mean, some you know, people. there might be 10% of the world that is adapted to eating gluten just fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, no doubt there's been statistics about that, but it seems like by and large, I mean, gluten's glue, that's really what it, it like. In fact, that's, that's even what, what it means in Latin. That's what it means right. in Latin. But I mean, it's, you know, that's kind of like how it became popular is it made food, you know, all kind of come together. Yeah. <laughs> well, supposedly there's all these different problems with it and it's not easy to digest. And then it gets in your intestines and it kind of messes things up. And then your guts become kind of leaky and other, yeah. other proteins from foods leak out. And then you get allergies to all these different things. And supposedly it can even get into your brain and cause... You know, that's maybe where the mental health stuff comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just thought this was interesting because this study is controversial. I mean, this oh, goes sure. against the dogma. And it's published, of course, in PLOS One, which was <laughs> the <laughs> journal that we covered, um, uh, I think, on a, a sh two shows ago, maybe, where uh -huh. we talked about the uh, the genetically not modified plant oh, material yeah, getting yeah. into people's bloodstreams. Yeah. That was where that was published, too. But sometimes, you know, like... I can see that because, you know, sometimes scientists, when something goes against the dogma, they're just, they don't want to touch it and they don't want to publish it. The peer oh, sure. reviewers are like, nope, this can't be true. Well, I mean, how scary would it be for governments around the world to denounce the food pyramid as we know it? Oh, yeah. I think I mean, there are lots of people out there who know that, like, if everybody started eating meat, guess what? There's not enough food for everybody on the planet. That could very well be true. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and just the fact of like, I mean, you'd have to change entire school curriculums. I mean, oh God, it would yeah. cost. It would be a mess. Oh, billions of dollars to fix yeah. the food pyramid problem. Oh, well, I mean, I grew up in the 90s and man, I remember the propaganda of the, the low fat. You oh, know, yeah. The fat is bad. Use oils sparingly. It's at the top of the food pyramid, you know, at the very top. And then on the bottom is is bread and grains. <laughs> Got to eat six to 11 servings of pasta, bread, and cereal every day. And that made me sick yeah. and fat. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. You know, and uh, that food pyramid was so heavily subsidized by the wheat and dairy industries. I mean, and corn, you know, these are huge businesses that get giant government subsidies. And I don't mean to sound conspiratorial. I know it does sound a little conspiratorial, sure. but at least in the U.S., those uh, types of uh, 
industrial farmers with that grow cor- you know corn wheat soybeans all those stuff they are so heavily subsidized oh, and yeah. they have very powerful lobbies and oh milk industry too is another yep. one that gets lobbying and subsidies and you know <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if they had a great deal of influence over the food pyramid yeah absolutely what the government essentially tells people to eat yeah so Anyway, uh, we'll get, uh, we'll stop. Is this show going to be controversial enough? Jeez, we're going to like offend so many people here. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> then we get to do an episode with all listener emails. <laughs> Let's talk about Bitcoin for a minute because we got a, a listener email that um, I thought was kind of interesting because speaking of controversial, you, Brian, have given talks uh, at Bitcoin conferences about uh, gold. This you? is true. Yeah. And mainly... We- my point with these talks is just to say that, uh, you know, value is subjective, mm-hmm. meaning something only has value because you put the value into it, not that it has its own intrinsic value, that that doesn't actually really exist. Right. Um, and that, you know, you might as well use whatever you want, because there's a lot of people who say, don't use Bitcoin, use gold, you know. And my whole shtick is, my whole point is that, no, nothing really has value. And I debunk all the statements that get made about why gold is so great. I have a minor bone to pick with that. I think things have value. You keep saying nothing has value. It does have value. It just doesn't have intrinsic value. It doesn't have value that depends on the properties of the thing that's hard-coded and whatever it is. Right. Uh, Yeah. That's why I I try to make it clear that it has subjective value. Right. But that is the singular only value it has. Yeah. Like gold. Gold is gold's value. If If it's been used, and it has been used for a long time, not consistently, but it has been used for a long time. Uh, at, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, at the beginning of time for humans anyway, it's only value could possibly be that it was pretty. And (laughs) so, and so my point is, is that, well, if we're going to base an entire economy at the end of the day, because something's pretty on something that is pretty, Ooh, no, 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 no. But there are plenty of things that are pretty and aren't as valuable as gold per unit. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a mystery why saying, gold became this, like, paragon of value and stuff like that. It is, it is actually a mystery. Yeah. Um, I the don't... one thing I'll say about gold that's cool is that nobody can make more gold. That's least... not true. They can. In labs, they can make more gold. Well, is it a, how expensive is it? Incredibly to expensive. Okay. It comes at great cost, but. Well, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. But, like, basically, it, it, like, exists in the earth and, like, nobody had the chance to print it. You know what that's I mean? True. That's true. But you can always find more, too. Well, you can, but all the gold that's in the Earth is in the Earth. Right. Pretty much. Unless we start mining asteroids and things like that. But anyway, we're getting off topic <laughs> here. A listener writes in and says, I don't agree about, I, I think English might be not his first language, but he says, I don't agree about your gold opinion. It will worth at least for next centuries don't forget china and india they love gold and even in the west for a part of population it will be store of value for a long time bitcoin is gold 2.0 but gold 1.0 will survive forever sent from my iphone that's entirely possible just because you know i'm, I'm not going to argue that my, my problem isn't that you i'm not saying you can't use gold i'm saying that you can't tell someone don't use bitcoin use gold i mean just use both and like like one, they each have advantages there's over the other. There's gold and silver, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and there's there's economists who would say no, there can only be one currency. Right. You know. But yeah, you don't say that about about um, Bitcoin, right? Like you would say that gold and Bitcoin are valid competitors to each other, or they both have advantages or things. Yeah, you they, can do they with may them. as well just you know run together for all time. That's fine with me. Mm-hmm. You know whether I think they're going to or not. So right. I, I agreed. You know that that. I, I think the way I come off is a very hard line saying that don't use gold. I'm not saying that. You can use gold, you can use palladium, you can use it all. Just don't tell other people what they can use. Mm, indeed. I'm seeing I'm seeing a theme here, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has been Sex and Science Hour. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can subscribe to our feed at letstalkbitcoin.com and look for our new show every Thursday. Always and, a good time. And our email, show at sexandsciencehour.com. Thanks for tuning in. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.